0: Okay, so we have we have some text messages to get through. Let's head over here. Let's see what they all have to say. There's quite a list that has come through. The first one, I think, here is about fluffy animals. Oof. We kind of went from fluffy animals to animals with claws this morning.
1: Well, they're still fluffy. Yes. Bears are pretty fluffy. Yes. There's that song. Teddy bears. What, what's that? How's it going? Let's like, stick with teddy bears. And if I was a fuzzy wuzzy bear, you know. I thank the Lord for my fuzzy-wuzzy hair. Uh-huh. But I just thank you, Father, for making me me. Yeah, I'm just... <laughs> they're, they're pretty fuzzy, but they are scary at the same time. They have yep. claws and they're very dangerous. And this dude's just taken one on. It was heavy. Okay.
0: All right, so let's talk about fluffy animals, um, the baby seals. Um, are they not like the house dogs of the sea? Oh, Totally. I can see that. I mean, if you go to one of those shows where they have, like, seals, they, they just, they're just having fun. Yeah, they just do backflips. And, and eating fish and having fun and yeah. doing all kinds of tricks, just like dogs do. Yeah. Dogs love doing tricks and eating treats. Dude, totally. So, yeah, how's dogs at sea? Adam could communicate with animals, not sure exactly how, maybe by voice, maybe by telepathy. Let's face it. Many of us have dogs who are terribly obedient to our conversations or commands. I have a dog who is terribly disobedient to my the conversations same. and
1: commands. <laughs> we have very similar dogs yes, as well. Yes, we do. We like, both have cattle dogs. And they're just like, uh, hi, they're just psychos, bro. It's
0: it's big, it's that streak of dingo that they have that gives them that streak of independence where yeah. they will obey when it suits them. Mm. And when it doesn't suit them, it's like, yeah, stuff you. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> eighty-year-old man who fought a bear and won. Um, it was was he a black belt in karate? Too bad it wasn't videoed.
1: No. So when like I told that story, if you just can't, Shell came in, I was showing her the picture of this guy. Yes. He's not like an you know maybe some like super fit, massive, buff, eighty-year-old man who is like, an old dude. This is just an old dude, bro. It's like just an old guy. So impressed. Mm. Don't
0: ever underestimate. An old dude.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: But, yeah, too bad it wasn't videoed. Imagine if he had one of those um, security cameras in his house. Imagine how viral that would be. Dude. 20 20 minutes fighting a bear. Um, Great story. Amazing what people in different circumstances will do. No doubt it wasn't his time to go. I think he'd better thank his guardian angel. 20 minutes. That's an unbelievable fight. Mm. Okay. Um, Dropping all uncertified channels. That's interesting. They are probably all owned by BlackRock. We we seem to be getting this as a bit of a continual theme. (laughs) Everything is owned by BlackRock. Well, probably is speculation. Yes. We don't know. Yeah. Shout out to
1: our sponsors, BlackRock. I'm just joking. joking. That was a joke. That was a joke.
0: (laughs) Anyway, surely they will all transfer this to the dark web. Yeah, well, it's already on the dark web anyway. Totally. Um, It's too good to be true, but I do hope that, will happen, maybe the pendulum is moving the other direction, great chances are on the way, not necessarily all of them good. And so I think this is, you know, I wish that this was being driven by a sense of morality, a sense of doing what was right in the world, a sense of improving society, but it's being driven by lawsuits. Mm. And because being driven by lawsuits and people don't want to be held liable and they can see that these lawsuits are going to be very expensive. They are, like, dropping this stuff.
1: Dude, the same thing happened with OnlyFans. Like, literally, like, OnlyFans was like, oh, we're banning, you know, pornographic content. And everyone was like, well, everyone who was, like... For that decision, you know, everyone who thought it was a good thing, was yeah, like, we all
0: celebrated it here on like, Faith. Were then, like,
1: yeah. yay! And everyone who didn't like that decision, you know, maybe some of the workers on OnlyFans or whatever, it's like, oh, they're bummed. Uh, but then you look into it, and it's like, okay, so did OnlyFans all of a sudden grow some morals? And it's like, um, no, no, they were just being sued into oblivion, and they were going to lose sponsorship from Mastercard. But then and they Lisa. changed their mind anyway. Yeah, and they delayed it, and yeah, whatever. Yeah.
0: Anyway, um. Millennials, that is what the last generation, the Word of God said it would be like, going from east to west, north to south, and not finding the truth. Mm. A generation like to like into Sodom and Gomorrah, 50 years of pornography has done its job. Even if they drop all of those channels with uh, uh, porn, the mental, physical, and spiritual damage has already been done. Um, and then on moving on to good health. Hell, that is why God blesses us with the health message. If we mm. all kept it, most people would be... A lot healthier, and governments would save billions on health budgets for medical and hospital visits. That's a fact, right there. Mm. So much cheaper, you know. And this is something where governments can really have a major impact. We've had a major impact in Australia as far as their health goes by getting rid of cigarette advertising, and you kind of got to put it behind the counter and hide it away and have scary images on it and, you know, have no color branding or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's been incredibly effective. We now need to have that same war on sugar. But we're you know, and junk foods and empty calories and all that kind of rubbish. So that our you know, as Dr. Paul Wood was saying, you know, you come up to the counter and you're just bombarded with like, oh just grab this, throw this in there, that'd be yum. Uh and it's so easy to get out of control.
1: Mm.
0: Uh this person's talking about chewing properly. I personally can't swallow unless I chew each mouthful twenty to thirty times. Really? It's a lot of chewing. <laughs> Based on that point. And just drinking six to eight glasses of water, it would be really help it would really help our bodies on the way to recovery.
1: Oh, that makes just him saying that, I'm like, now I now feel dehydrated. I'm looking at the water machine, I'm like, man, let's get drinks of water.
0: Yeah, just heard on the news one case of COVID. One case of COVID again forces a lockdown of a town. But only for unvaccinated. No discrimination here. <laughs> uh, yes i hear the i hear the sarcasm dripping off the end of that text message um and yeah it's, it's, it's true I, I i saw this on the news i believe it's catherine in the northern territory they have one case of covid and they've locked down the whole town
1: oh classic catherine i know that place they're just like oh we're, we're done yeah i mean hey well
0: well uh,
1: Let's, you know what? Let's not talk about it. Who let's, cares? Yeah, that's right. Who cares?
0: Let's talk about something else. Let's go, <laughs> let's talk about Deuteronomy.
1: Really? Yes. Actually? Actually, let's
0: talk about Deuteronomy. Uh huh. And let's talk about Deuteronomy by going to Matthew. No. No. I was like, I <laughs> was... We're going to Matthew later on in the study. We are actually going to the book of Deuteronomy because we're going to talk about God. We're going to talk about Jesus Amen. Christ. It's going to be amazing. I'm super looking forward to this. It is like the most fantastic, uh, book in the books of Moses. Totally. Uh, along
1: with Genesis Annexes. and Exodus and Leviticus. Leviticus is kind of difficult pretty good. to read but, but pretty awesome. Lots of depth. And, yeah, numbers. And numbers. Yeah, know. so
0: those books of Moses are the best books of Moses.
1: Yeah. It's all. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 4.
1: Let's go down to verse 32. We're going to read verse 32 to 35. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4, 32 to 35, as I find it here on the page. The Bible says this. Now, search all of history from the time God created people on the earth until now, and search from one end of heaven to the other. Has anything as great as this ever been seen or heard before? Has any nation ever heard the voice of God speaking from fire as you did And survived? Has any other god dared to take a nation for himself out of another nation by means of trials, miraculous signs, wonders, wars? You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. A strong hand, a powerful arm, and terrifying acts. Yet that is what the Lord your God did for you in Egypt, right before your eyes. He showed you these things so you would know that the Lord your God is is there, and He and there is no other.
0: Okay, so uh, was that verse? Oh, that was verse thirty five. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we got all the way to the end of it. Uh-huh. I was thinking there was another verse there, but it is not. That's our that's our passage to look at today. Mm. And so, why why does God say that He did all of this?
1: Um, because he could. And to show what? Uh, the, his power. Yes. Mm-hmm. And to show that he is? God and there is no other. Exactly. Okay, so
0: do you think that this would be convincing evidence?
1: Yeah, I think I'd be
0: pretty convinced. To- okay, so let's, let's, let's think about it then. Let's say that we had something like this happen in the world today. Uh, and we had a, a people group. Mm-hmm a diaspora maybe, but, it, well, whatever, a, pe- a people group that were being incredibly oppressed. I'm trying to think of whether there is an equivalent. Tasmanians, the- but no. they deserve it. No, they're not uh, terribly mean- <laughs> oppressed. They're incredibly privileged. Uh, they live in the greatest state <laughs> They in live Australia, in a tiny island far away from everyone else. Which is just amazing, piece of <laughs> paradise, <laughs> okay. temperate paradise. Okay, um... It's the, I, I, I can't think Syrians? of it. Syrians?
1: Yeah, there's, there's people of, from it's Yemen.
0: It's kind of kind of similar. No, it's not, it's not really coming to me. But let, let's say that you had a particular people group. Mm-hmm. They're living inside of another nation Uyghurs. Mm-hmm. Ooh, there you go. Uyghurs. Yeah. Different nationality, different religion. Mm-hmm. So they're not ethnic Chinese, uh, they're more Turkic. Mm-hmm. Uh, different language, mm-hmm. different religion, all of that. So let's say you had Uyghurs. They've been oppressed. There's like two million of them in, in prison for their faith right now. Mm-hmm. That's like just off the charts insanity. And let's say that God stepped in and God's like, okay, I'm going to do something for the Uyghurs. Mm. And we all got to see it. We all got to see China just get smashed by plague after plague after plague after plague. And we saw a Uyghur leader who stood up and called those plagues before that happened. It's like, okay, the next plague is going to be this. Boom, it hits China. Next plague is going to be this. Boom, it hits China. And this is being reported on the news. Mm. And we can see it taking place. And then this particular leader leads them out of China. And he's leading them to promised land, mm. Tasmania. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was going to say, oh, well, maybe, I don't know, like Mongolia or something.
0: And on the as a part of that journey, uh, you know, God appears to them in the flame of fire on top of a mountain. We get to hear about that. We get to see that. That's, you know, commonly reported in news and speaks to them, mm. as the Bible describes right here. Uh, as a part of that, um, God parts the Timor Sea and the Bass Strait and they walk across, mm. right? Right. And, and you know that's something that you would not miss in today's world. Mm. We would see that on our TV screens. Um, do you think that uh, you know? And and then there was just you know sign after sign after sign. You know, just one after the other after the other of 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 how God is stepping in and leading these people. Do you think that would be convincing in relationship to the existence of God? Yeah. Okay, I I agree. And what I often come across amongst unbelievers is this, and this is what they say, if God revealed himself, we would believe. Mm. If God stepped in and did something miraculous that we could not deny, we would believe. Mm. If God physically spoke to us, we would believe. We don't believe in God because we can't see God and we can't hear God, but if we could see God and we could hear God and we could see what God was doing, then we would believe in God.
1: Mm.
0: What this story demonstrates is that that would never happen. Those people would never believe in God even when God did all those big things. That's right. Because you've got a situation where God actually literally does these things and the nations round about they know about it mm. because Israel is talking about it, and they know about it because the enemies of Israel are claiming that Israel's God is doing all of this stuff. Mm. So, the people who are for Israel's God are claiming it, the people who are against Israel's God are claiming it. Nobody is denying it, everybody's telling the same story. Mm. It's pretty strong evidence. That would make you stop and
1: think, maybe my God is not worth worshipping as much as that God is worth worshipping. Yeah, right? Wouldn't you think, because we see, like, as we read, particularly through the book of Deuteronomy, and then when you get to, to, to Joshua and Judges where, like, they enter the promised land and they're actually coming against these people and they're like, oh, these are the Israelites and they take special provisions because they know that God is with them. You would think it's like, well, why wouldn't these people just go and join them? (laughs) And you do have a certain group of people who do. They're called the
0: mixed multitude. They see it with their own eyes and they're like, yep, forget Egyptian gods. They are useless
1: compared to this god. But even like um, outside of the Egyptians, you have like the Gibeonites, for example, in the book of Joshua, who are like seeing the Israelites come. They're like, we're going to die because we're going to get absolutely... Because our gods are useless. We're going to get smoked by them. So let's go and trick them into accepting us and and we'll become their slaves. (laughs) Like, yes. That's literally what happens. Like, so, so, yeah, there are people who, there are who, people who make see that decision. Now,
0: what, I, what, what fascinates me about this story is that when you look at the Israelites coming out of Egypt, who is it that is constantly leading them astray? It's the mixed multitude. Mm. The Bible is always talking about this mixed multitude and the rebellion of the Israelites. Mm-hmm. And so this is the bizarre thing, and this is why I say that you know, when atheists come to me and say, look, if God spoke to me you know, and appeared to me, I'd believe. I'm like, no, you wouldn't because this has been done over and over and over and over and over and over and over again down through history. And if you do not want to believe, you will not believe Mm. because here you've got a group of people who they, wow, what can you say about the Israelites in the wilderness? They kind of don't want to believe, do they? And. While God is still providing for them, while they're still picking manna up off of the ground each day, while God is there in the pillar of cloud, while God is there in the pillar of fire, while God is on the mountain, while they can hear the voice of God speaking to them and they're walking through the Red Sea, while all of these things are happening, they are still rebelling against God.
1: Mm. I would say I would say to that as well, like the rebellion against God is like, the the real point here is because like, At that point, they know that God is real, they believe in his existence, but then there are times where they count that towards themselves as a curse. And you see that the real problem is not whether there's evidence for God or not, because back then, and I would say now as well, as we speak to many different specialists and scientists and people from all different areas who can confirm many different evidences for God, like there is very strong case that God exists. And then also, you know, within our lives, like our personal experience with Jesus, would say, "Oh yeah, He exists to me because I've had a personal experience with Him." I've there's multiple times in my life where I can say, "Yeah, God worked in my life," and it's unexplainable. Though the problem is not evidence the problem is sin yes yes the problem is sin absolutely all the way through the problem is that they don't want to follow god That is the problem. That is absolutely (laughs) the problem. Like, because how can these guys deny that God is real? Like, (laughs) if they do so, they'll be killed by God. Like, and, and, and not in the sense that, like, they say God isn't real and then he strikes them down. You know, God, like, they put in a legal system and, and all different things. And you, and you read and it's like, oh, if people lead others astray, then they can be liable for being stoned and, like, all these kinds of things. Like, there was a fair and just legal system, um, for all of these things. But the reality is is that they can look at the mountain and see the cloud like they they can't deny but why do they rebel not because like it's not that they've come up you know to this point of temptation they're like oh well maybe god's not real because the evidence doesn't you know the evidence is inconclusive so i'm going to sin like no like no they just want to sin Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's it, bro. Like they just want to sin. Okay, Raphael's text in to say unbelievers and atheists are totally
0: going to believe in God when Satan personates Jesus. Mm. They will believe the lie. As will the great majority of the rest of the world. <laughs> well, that's a heavy statement, right there. That's that's that's, that's so true.
1: <laughs> but it's tr- like for Satan himself. Like, and I feel like this is really, really cool and something that is like, I feel like the the, the Bible I- explains so well that yeah, the problem for the begin from the beginning has never been evidence. Like Satan's rebellion came from sin. Like yes. from the very beginning, it was you know a wanting of elevation of class, you know, problems with pride. that ultimately led to sin and separation, not a, oh, you know, evidence for God. Is he really real? Is he really... Man, they knew he was there. They talked Mm -hmm. to him. Mm -hmm. The problem has always been sin. That's right. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different.
0: Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to start reading in verse 13, and we've got to figure out the connection between this passage and what we were reading in Deuteronomy about all of the great things that God did so that people could see that He actually was God. Matthew chapter 5,
1: verse 13. Matthew chapter 5, yes, beginning in verse 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as salt worthless you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden no one lights <clears throat> uh, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket instead a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise the heavenly father
0: okay so interesting that God says that we are like the salt of the earth mm-hmm we kind of have that state that, that saying, don't we? I was like a real salt of the earth kind of person. Um, but salt down through history, is an interesting history of salt because it's been very valuable down through history. In some, you know, some eras, salt has actually been currency. Mm. Uh, you can go back to, you know, as far back in recorded history as you can. And the availability of salt has been pivotal to civilization. Mm. Um, it's first. It, it is now thought to have been first, been the first. Uh, no, 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 no. Never mind. Oh, there was a, a tongue twisting sentence I was going to read right there. But it's been it's been around for a very very long time. Yep, it's old. It, it's incredibly valuable. And of course, for Israelites, this was something they had. Well, pretty decent access to because mm. they had a place called the Dead Sea, mm. where you could get lots of salt. Lots of salt. And. Uh, have you ever tried
1: eating food without salt like going salt free? No, that literally sounds like death. it kind of does doesn't I, it i I like I guess you could just eat fruit, but like to eat a savory meal like with no salt ever that's it's almost like we call it a savory meal because it has salt in it.
0: yeah, maybe that's what defines savory is the presence of salt yeah, maybe that's what defines the difference between a vegetable and a fruit. Mm. Do you eat it
1: with salt? Well, no. I've never come there, up with. I've never come with, up with a good definition people, of the difference. People put between, um, salt on watermelon. Apparently, that's really nice. It brings out the flavor. I don't really know how that works. There's people who kind of. Yeah, but see, avocado can go with either salt or sugar. Yeah. So what is that? I I don't know, but the point is, is like, dude, salt is salt is my life. <laughs> Too much salt. And then you get hypertension and die. Get hypertension and die. That's yeah, right. That so we need to keep this in balance. Not uh, enough salt, then you get cramps. Yeah, that's right. And
0: die. And die. Yeah. And dehydration, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, when somebody has been dehydrated, they need to have you know salt tablets and so forth.
1: That's the point of like electrolytes. Like yes. electrolytes, you know, enforce the salt content within your um, within your blood, and so you stay hydrated more.
0: That's right. Mm. All right. Um, okay, so salt is pretty important, and the Bible says here, um, you are the salt of the earth. If the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? So if salt goes flat, like it loses all of its saltiness,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what's the point of it? Uh, none. Wouldn't apart, it, that, from, it just, apart from kidney stones.
1: It just tastes like dirt at that point. tastes
0: like dirt and gives you kidney stones. Mm. It's all it does. Uh-huh. It's useless, and it gets thrown out, as mm. the Bible says right here. Now, the other thing that I find interesting about this particular passage, which uh, I'm sure applied in a, probably a slightly different way back in ancient times to what it is now, but where do you find salt in your house? Um, yeah, in the cupboard. In the cupboard. And in the cupboard it's in a... A, a jar. A or jar. A shaker. Or a
1: shaker. Something like that. Or yeah. a grinder. Yeah.
0: Um, how much good is that salt accomplishing while it is in the salt shaker, um,
1: not much, I guess. S- yeah. Salt is only as valuable as it. Maybe, maybe
0: if the salt shaker is open at the top, it might take a little bit of humidity out of the air.
1: Yeah, if this, if it's a salt shaker or a slashed jar that's got something in it that is being pickled, then then it's useful. But the salt <laughs> in the salt shaker just by itself, yeah.
0: Yeah, salt is only as valuable as it's used. Salt is only any good once it's out of the salt shaker. And so what does that mean for us as Christians? Mm. You know, what would be the equivalent of the salt shaker? I would say that our church would be the equivalent of the salt shaker. Mm. And we are all salt, the Bible says. Mm. And so we are in the salt shaker. And to actually be a savor, as the Bible says here, to the world, to add flavor to the world, what do we need to do?
1: Oh, I got this, lah! I'm going to complete this illustration here. Okay. Okay. So if okay. we're in the salt shaker, right, mm. and the salt shaker is the church, mm. the only way that the salt gets out of the salt shaker is if oh, it's if it's used. Oh, yes. And who uses it? God. God. Right. So if, the only way that we can be effective as salt and get out of the salt shaker is if we're used by God. And here's something, here's an
0: interesting thought. How do you get the salt out of the salt shaker? You shake it. So maybe sometimes when God shakes our church, it's his way of saying, guys, you've become insular, you're looking yeah. at yourselves, you're spending too much time navel-gazing, you need to get out into the world <laughs> where the real issues are and people are struggling with real things and you need to be ministering to people in a real way. Maybe that's why God shakes our churches sometimes. Dude, I tell you what, man. If your church is being shaken right now, Maybe you should look over the history of your <laughs> church over the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years and ask, how much outreach has this church been doing? Mm. How many baptisms have we had? How many people have we brought to Christ? Because maybe what's happened is you got stuck in the salt shaker. And so God is like, yep, time to be out. And he's shaking the salt shaker.
1: Dude, you know, I, I can really attest to this experience just in my own, in the, the church that I work for at the moment, like, well, with COVID, like, you know, so we're doing church like on Zoom, Zoom or whatever, but outside of that, over the last three years of our existence, we've been in probably six different buildings for church to conduct church, whether it be the Warners Bay Church, at churches that we're hiring within uni, like all different things because of the consistent, terrible circumstances that we found ourselves in. But at the same time, we've consistently grew and baptized people. Like, So your church has just been shaken all over the place. Like we haven't had an official building for... The entirety history of our existence.
0: You just get shaken from here, shaken to there, shaken to somewhere else, and every time you get shaken, you come in contact with somebody else. Yeah, and we grow, <laughs> and you grow.
1: <laughs> and we're about to That's have some amazing. baptisms, you know. Like praise pray, and praise the Lord, and and I can really just attest to the fact that you know I can't, we definitely can't take any pride because the reality is is that like we've been in, it, we, you can view that situation and circumstances really difficult and hard, mm-hmm. um, but God has used it. Yes. And so praise the Lord.
0: Absolutely mm. praise God. Okay, so there's a lesson right here. We need to get out of the salt shaker. And this was the problem with ancient Israel was they spent too much time in the salt shaker mm. within their nation. And God's like, no, all of these things happened so that you can be an example to the rest of the world of the mm. greatness of God.
1: You're listening to The Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM, positively different. But <laughs> right now it is time for... Question of the day. All right, our question of the day comes from the Book of Deuteronomy, chapter twenty-eight, fifty-three to fifty-seven, and the question is: Is this passage saying that in a siege, people would eat their own children in cannibalism? Did this come to pass? This question comes from Karen. Okay, it's a really
0: okay. So get ready for for some heavy stuff.
1: This is Yeah, this is
0: going to be R-rated for sure. All right, so the Bible is talking about uh, what would happen if God's people turned away from serving him Mm -hmm. and if they went and served idols and, you know, the, the pagan religions of the nations that were around them. And one of the consequences that God says is, look, you know, if you don't want my protection, I won't force myself upon you, and I'll withdraw myself. And what will happen when I withdraw myself and I withdraw my protection? Well, there are going to be enemies that are going to come down and lay siege to your cities, and you're going to be so starving you will eat your own children. So he says uh, here in verse 52, And he shall besiege you in all your gates uh, until your high and fenced walls come down, wherein you trusted, uh, throughout your land. And he will besiege you in all your gates throughout all your land, which the Lord your God has given you. And you shall eat the fruit of your own body, the flesh of your sons and your daughters, which the Lord your God has given you in the siege and in the straightness wherewith your enemies shall distress you. It's a pretty vivid word picture that Moses is trying to paint here to tell them just how terrible the consequences are from walking away from God's protection. And he's trying to encourage them, look, just stay with God. And so, um, the, the, our our person wants our person for question of the day wants to uh, ask the question: Did this actually ever happen? I'm going to read to you from Second uh, Kings chapter six, beginning in verse four. The Bible says, "And after this, that Ben Hadad, king of Syria, came and gathered up his army and went and laid siege to Samaria." And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they laid siege to it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 pieces of silver and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. That's you know pretty expensive for poo. That's serious inflation. Yep. And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord does not help you, where can I help you? out of the barn floor, out of the wine press, sarcastically. Um, And the king said unto her, What ailed you? And she answered, This woman, her neighbor, said to me, Give your son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And And I said unto her on the next day, Give me your son that we may eat him. And she has hid her son. Okay, so you're the king of Samaria. What are you? What are you going to do with this? Yeah, you know, this is this is a weird, the, yeah, this is a really heavy story. And the fact is, he does nothing. Uh, the Bible goes on and says, you know, um, and it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he tore his clothes and he passed by on the on the wall and the people looked on him and he had sackcloth upon his body uh, because he's like, I can't solve this. There's mm. nothing I can do. What do I do we 're just, just all going to starve to death here inside the city, and horrific things are taking place they're selling they they're they're, sc- they're literally scraping up bird poop off the streets and selling it and eating it mm. that's how starving these people are and why was this happening? Why was ben Haydad there? Well Ben Haydad was there because these people had apostatized from God. They had apostatized and been gone from God for generations. And that, of course, was in the nation of Israel. If you go to the nation of Judah, over in Lamentations chapter 4 and verse 10, you find a similar statement here with the uh, siege of Nebuchadnezzar. The hands of the pitiful woman have sodden her own children. They were their meat in the destruction of the daughter of my people. So, yes, it literally happened. They were literally that desperate when they turned away from God. The devil has no love for his own. And when you turn to the devil, he will destroy you in any way that he possibly can. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.